Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking, and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host, Marco, and this is show 85 for Thursday, September 9th, 2021. So we have started school. We went back to school and things are a little crazy right now. You can imagine hybrid classes are a lot of work. So hybrid means that some students are on site, but you still have in parallel people connected via Zoom and you have to attend all of them. So things have been a little crazy and I haven't had much time to plan an episode, which is why I just thought, let's just do something different because obviously I want to keep the boat afloat. So we're doing something like a few weeks ago where I just did a potpourri of some news items and I thought, why not this week? We are just going to abandon a little bit the skepticism and reasoning. Why not just have some good news? We all could need some good news in our life. So I just want to read out some nice stories. And of course, I'm going to share all the links in the show notes. So what do you say? Let's do this for a quick episode this week. Okay, here's the first story. This one, I found it on a website that I looked for positive news, positive.news. And it's an article from September 3rd, just last week. Why couples are saying I do to smaller big days. So I like this news items a lot because it looks like people are finally not so much dreaming of a big wedding anymore, but rather of a marriage, which I think it's very positive. So let's just go and read this. Of course, it's linked in the show notes, as I said. Couple culture has taken a marked swing away from consumerism in the wake of the pandemic, say some cultural commentators. Is the small wedding here to stay? There's an irony in how a pandemic on a global scale has compelled us to reconsider our lives at micro level, from the two meters separating us from our nearest neighbor to scaling back work and social lives. Social distancing has had an inevitable impact on matters of the heart too, as COVID-19 has strong-armed couples into either abandoning their wedding plans or reimagining their big day on a smaller scale. Now, some point to signs that tiny weddings and the concept of mini-money are here to stay. Image-sharing site Pinterest has seen a 160% increase in searches for, quote, small back garden weddings, and a doubling in searches for both quote, simple wedding cake, one tier, and, quote, registry office wedding outfit. One Cornwall-based company that specializes in intimate weddings saw web traffic up by a third in 2020, 2021, compared to the previous year. Quote, I think that can only be good, says Dr. Mary Harrod, associate professor in the School of Modern Languages and Cultures at the University of Warwick. It's about escaping that pressure to spend so much money and escaping capitalism encroaching on all walks of life, even on something that should really be very personal and outside those circuits of power. Harrod co-edited the book Imagining We in the Age of I, which considers changes in intimate culture. She admits the book has a strong seam of pessimism as it explores an ambivalence about romantic love. But one positive takeaway in Harrod's eyes is the shift towards micro-weddings, where the true meaning of the day, shared with a handful of guests, trumps sparkle and spectacle. 
It was out of hand, she says, pointing to evidence uncovered by colleague Suzanne Leonard that the spiraling cost of weddings in the US, for example, was classing marriage by making it unaffordable. The tail was wagging the dog. At the time when marriage seems less and less important, the wedding was getting more and more important. However, there's a huge change now. During the pandemic, people couldn't have these big ceremonies. And they began asking themselves, is it about spectacle and the party? Or is it about the few people I really care about? Something more meaningful? Perhaps the idea will last. Of course, for many, a smaller wedding is a way to cut costs after an economically challenging 18 months. A necessity rather than their first choice. Jane Cadera runs Cornwall-based Petite Weddings, a business that focuses exclusively on organizing elopement and intimate weddings. Whatever the reasons for couples opting to downscale, she believes the concept will stick. The current climate has normalized the idea of having a small wedding and made them more acceptable. We don't see demand for these smaller, more heartfelt and personal celebrations of love stemming anytime soon. Couples have concerns about spending life-changing sums of money on a wedding in the current environment. Equally, we are hearing from lots of couples who are actively choosing to spend more head and have a really special time, either just as a couple or surrounded by their inner circle of friends and family. For some, a new spirit of fearlessness has inspired them to break with wedding convention and get married the way they want. For others, seeing the positive impacts that a global slowdown has had on the environment has spurred more eco-conscious choices. Options for sustainable wedding ideas now abound, from more eco-friendly decorations to greener options for food and wedding rings. Broadcaster and journalist Nitti Hodgins discovered firsthand how small can indeed be beautiful when she tied the knot with husband Ferdy in November 2020. Instead of the 120 guests, fairground and champagne-bearing yamas they had planned, the couple invited close friends to a ceremony at Old Marleybone Town Hall, saving 28,000 British pounds in the process. Hodgson recalled, We got so much more time with each other on the day, we could be more present with our guests, and when we said our vows, we could focus on their true meaning with our best friends as witnesses. It wasn't the grand wedding we'd planned, but it was still amazing. So how about that? I really like this story, because people are focusing on what really matters, I guess. The marriage again, because that's why you get married, right? And uh, so the wedding, this one big day where lots of people start a huge debt that they pay off over years. Um, and sometimes, sadly, even they still keep paying it after the divorce. Because the shelf life for uh, marriage has become shorter and shorter, right? So I think this is a good trend. And I've seen people do this having smaller weddings also in my circle of friends and extended family so how about this leave me your opinions leave me a note in social media let's go to the next item all right this is from another web page that dedicates to positive news which is called reasons to be cheerful and the title is america star teenage scientists is catalyzing generational change at 15 years old, Jitanjali Rao has half a dozen inventions to her name. Now she wants to reinvent the world of science itself. Motivated by the water contamination crisis in Flint, Michigan. Uh, this name is so difficult to pronounce, I think. I, I hope I get it right. Jitanjali Rao was only 10 years old when she created her first invention and now patented lead test for water. 
For this, Rao, now 15, was named America's top young scientist of 2017 and Time Magazine's first ever kid of the year in 2020. Not one to rest in her laurels, she has since invented an app to fight cyberbullying and an early detection kit for opioid addiction. But today, her greatest passion is getting more people like herself, young, female, people of color, involved in science. RTBC spoke with Rao from, Leon Tree, from Lone Tree, Colorado, where she lives with her parents and younger brother, about the unique contribution her generation can offer, how science can catalyze social change, and creating a platform for other young innovators. And what follows is an interview where they ask her about a book that she just published, How Can We Get More Young People, Especially Women of Color, into STEM. So she says, the first step is introducing young people to more role models. Most scientists don't look like me. Seeing people who look like you in the field and on the news is one of the most empowering experiences. Science and technology don't just revolve around robotics and coding, but that's how it has been portrayed. That can scare people away. I like to present STEM as a means to solve problems, using science and technology as a catalyst for social change rather than just raw skills. So they ask her for her role models, where she says that her parents are both IT engineers, that they are role models for her. Uh, when did you first realize you had an interest in science? This is a really good question for her. When I was four, my uncle got me this earth science kit instead of the Barbie dream house I wanted. I complained about it for days, but I decided to open the kit and play with it. That was a great starting point. From a very young age, my parents exposed me to lots of ideas. Everything. I did everything. Ice skating, hang gliding, fencing, baking, playing the piano. I went to flight school. I was trying out things every single day. We had this deal. If I wanted to quit something, I could the next day but uh, I had to go one practice, to one practice, one class or one lesson. I didn't recognize it at the time. But what that risk-taking did is that I was able to choose my own path and have that path fostered for me. So there are, there are some more questions to her. And I will leave the whole article so you get the whole interview. But uh, I love this. So a young female scientist of color. Yeah, definitely there are many minority groups that could need a role model where, where she could be the role model definitely and this just makes me think i'm a science teacher and my students are about this age they are 14 well she started at 10 with her first invention so to really for them to see that the sky is the limit right that uh, i'm too young is not an excuse or science supposedly is a male-dominated field that shouldn't be an excuse we should be able to foster all the students and all of them to be interested. Let's go to one more news item. This one is from goodnewsnetwork.org, a third webpage, of course, with good news. I recommend you to really just go to those webpages, especially when you have a hard day, and look for a good news story that makes your day. Um, this is from... September 7th. Dogs know when you're acting intentionally, researchers find. Dogs can tell the difference between deliberate actions and mistakes, say scientists. It adds growing evidence to the idea that man's best friend knows just how we are feeling. First author Dr. Britta Schunemann said, The dogs in our study cleared, clearly behaved differently depending on whether the actions of a human experimenter were intentional or unintentional. Dogs have bonded with people over thousands of years. Obeying every sit, lay down, and roll over command is just one skill. 
But whether they understand intentions or merely respond to outcomes remains unclear. This is a basic component of theory of mind, long regarded as uniquely human. It's the ability to attribute mental states to oneself and others and dogs have it too. They can tell the difference between something done on purpose or by accident. Dr. Schunemann of Göttingen University and colleagues tested how they reacted when food rewards were withheld. The researchers found the animal behaved differently depending on whether the actions of the experiment were intentional or unintentional. It shows dogs can distinguish between actions that were done on purpose or accidentally. To reach their conclusions, the German team conducted an experiment using the unable versus unwilling paradigm. It works by examining whether the test subjects react differently towards a human experimenter. They either intentionally, the unwilling condition, or unintentionally, the unable condition, withhold treats. The experiment was conducted with 51 dogs, each of which were tested under three conditions. Each animal was separated from the human tester by a transparent barrier. It was fed pieces of dog food through a gap. In the unwilling condition, the experimenter suddenly withdrew the reward through the gap in the barrier and placed it in front of herself. In the unable clumsy condition, the experimenter brought the reward to the gap and tried to pass it through, but then accidentally dropped it. In the unable blocked condition, the experimenter again tried to give the dog a reward, but she was unable to because the gap was blocked. In all conditions, the reward remained on the tester side of the barrier. Co-author Dr. Juliane Brauer of Max Planck Institute of Science uh, of Human History said, if dogs are indeed able to ascribe intention in action to humans, we would expect them to show different reactions in the unwilling condition compared to the two unable conditions. As it turns out, this is exactly what we observe. The primary behavior measured by the researchers was the time dogs waited before approaching the reward before they were denied. If dogs are able to identify human intentions, they would wait longer before approaching the reward in the unwilling condition where they were not supposed to have the reward than in the two unable conditions in which the reward was in fact meant for them. Not only did the dogs wait longer in the unwilling condition than the unable conditions, they were also more likely to sit or lie down, actions often interpreted as appeasing behaviors, and stopped wagging their tails. Co-author Dr. Hannes Rakosi, also from Germany in Göttingen, said, uh, This suggests dogs may indeed be able to identify humans' intention in action. The findings in scientific reports suggest dogs may have at least one aspect of theory of mind, the capacity to recognize intention in action, says the researcher. Previous studies have found dogs can tell the difference between happy and angry faces. They also process language in a very similar way to humans, picking out emotional tone, intonation, and volume changes that influence meaning. Experts think dog have, dogs have gradually evolved over 30,000 years to understand humans. Selective breeding was meant those which could communicate better with their owners were preferred, encouraging the traits to become more pronounced over time. All right, I, I love this story. So uh, when we always claim that uh, other animals are not intelligent, that we humans are such a special creation, um, there's a lot of intelligence to all different animal species, and uh, we're just one species, I think, right? Uh, so don't underestimate dogs. So they can tell when you're bluffing. They can tell when you're lying, when you're pretending. By the way, the same also goes for, for kids. So if you have students or if you have uh, kids of your own or, or nephews and nieces, um, they can tell when you're not honest to them. So I hope you like these three short news items, these good stories. 
let's just close the show with a game of find the fake. And here it is, everyone's favorite critical thinking guessing game, Find the Fake. I'm going to present you three news items, headlines, from science usually. And you will have to figure out which one of these three I turned into fake news. Which heading I altered with. And of course you can play along. So let's do this, a quickie today. Uh, item number one, climate change is causing animals to shapeshift. Item number two. Astronomers may have seen a star gulp down a black hole and explode. And item number three, the first cells might have used gravity to divide. You can still play along, you can guess, you can pause, of course. I'm now going to reveal this. So, is this true? Climate change is causing animals to shapeshift? Yes. This is an article on Science Focus, written September 7th by Alice Lipscomb Southwell. Warm-blooded animals are increasing the size of their limbs in order to shed excess heat more effectively. I think I shall also just share these articles in the show notes for you to read. So, yeah, shape-shifting, longer limbs, longer arms, longer legs to shed heat more excessively. This, well, kind of makes sense and this is a natural selection at its best. So I shall use this when on TikTok uh, creationists again question our only theory of evolution, that it's only a theory and we don't have any evidence. There you go. This is another piece of evidence, as there are many. Let's continue. Item number two. Did, did astronomers uh, see a star gulp down a black hole and explode? This is from Science News, and this is exactly the heading written by Adam Mann, September 2nd. It's the first firm evidence of a rare cosmic phenomenon. For the first time, astronomers have captured solid evidence of a rare double cosmic cannibalism. A star swallowing a compact object such as a black hole or neutron star. In turn, that object gobbled the star's core, causing it to explode and leave behind only a black hole. Wow, what a cosmic dance. So... Definitely, uh, whatever you can imagine or even cannot imagine is out there. We don't need to invent any fairy tales about nature. It's already beautiful enough as it is. So let's wait if we get more of this kind of news items. But really, it turns out that whatever is possible will eventually happen. And it's just a matter of time until we detect and until we observe these things. Which, of course, means item number three, that's the fake one. The first cells might have used gravity to divide. I changed one word. I put in gravity. The original word was temperature. This is from September 3rd. Uh, I found it on Science Daily. The source is cell press. The summary goes like this. A simple mechanism could underlie the growth and self-replication of protocells. Putative ancestors of modern living cells suggests a new study. Protocells are vesicles bounded by a membrane bilayer and a potentially similar to the first unicellular common ancestor. On the basis of relatively simple mathematical principles, the proposed model suggests that the main force driving protocell growth and reproduction is the temperature difference that occurs between the inside and outside of the cylindrical protocell as a result of inner chemical activity. 
get this? Inside the cells, there are chemical reaction going, and these chemical reactions can release heat. So, or absorb heat, right? So the inside of the cell has a different temperature than the outside of the cell. We have a temperature greedy, uh, gradient, and that makes, of course, heat flow. And this can actually start the process of cell division. Pretty cool. Yeah, science is definitely cool. How did you do this week? Did you get it right? Did you guess? Did you use your knowledge, your critical thinking skills to figure out which one was the fake? Please let me know. I really hope you enjoy this game because I always enjoy putting it together and turning one into the fake. All right, so this was a uh, rather short show and you hear it as I'm stuttering that uh, part of this is definitely unscripted. I hope I will also find other topics, again, where I research a little more, where I can prepare an episode, or just like last week, our interview, I enjoyed that one so much. But this week, yeah, I, I really didn't have any time, so I just looked for some positive news and thought I would share them. But I definitely want to keep the podcast going, I want to keep the boat afloat. I, I expected this, I started the podcast when the pandemic just started, and after 18 months of working from home, eventually it was a matter of time until we go back and uh, this going back definitely is more time consuming but this podcast is such a nice hobby i will get it going so what will next week bring i don't know we'll have to see maybe something piques my interest and i will dig a little deeper maybe i'll use the weekend for that and maybe we'll just get some more positive news why not maybe something triggers a discussion on tiktok we'll have to see I still hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you're all staying safe and you're taking care. Although schools and other businesses are reopening, we still have to be careful. This is still a pandemic and yes, we are vaccinated. Many of us, many more are vaccinated now, but we can still carry the virus. We can still be a vector and infect others. So just take good care. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are easy and painless ways which are for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatching platform. Share it with your friends on social media. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. If you want to be on the show or know somebody that you'd like to be a guest, please drop me a note on social media. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco, and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?